Welcome to the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast with your hosts, John Fish and Ryan Venancio. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast, episode 25 today. We're doing our um, second part of our starting pitcher breakdown. We still haven't decided if we're doing three or four. Um, it just all kind of depends on how many guys we can get through um, with with this one. We only went through 15 the first uh, with the first part, so we're looking at pitchers 16 through uh, hopefully we can get through 16 through 35 today, but we'll see how it goes. But um, I am your host, John Fish, joined as always by Ryan Venancio. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well, Fish. It's like 60 degrees in New Jersey. Um, I think last week I was talking about how it was like negative six. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know what the hell's happening, but I'll take a 60 degree day uh, all day. So I'm um, in a good mood yeah. today. Just feeling yeah. good. It's nice out. Um, positive vibes today. Yeah, that's awesome. I was uh, I got to pay something with my village of here uh, every other month. It's like village dues or whatever. And um, the next time I'll so I paid it today and the next time I'll pay it is in two months. And I just realized the next time I pay that bill, we're going to be actually in baseball season. So um, I was uh, pretty excited about that. So I'm looking forward to uh, breaking down some pitches today and uh, getting uh getting further into the swing of things here um, as we approach um, the middle of February here, uh, February 10th. So, you know, we still got a little ways to go. We got some pitchers and catchers, I think next, next week. So that's, uh, that's always exciting. And then we'll get into some spring training games and um, get close to March. And then, you know, you got the big drafts coming up and then, you know, everything kind of goes pretty quick in March and then all of a sudden the season starts. So I'm uh, looking forward to the next couple months here. Um, but let's start it off today with uh, Kevin Gossman is the SP 16 off the board. And we are looking at um, if you're watching on Twitter, it's we're doing another day day pod here. So a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are, don't have eyes on the Twitter feed, but um, we are doing again the last month of data. So since January 10th, there's been 37 completed draft champions. And uh, Kevin Gossman is going off the board at ADP 56, min of 44, max of 69. Uh, Kevin Gossman is somebody that I am definitely interested in. We're already kind of seeing him move up a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people got him in the fifth round early on, but uh, I think he's been you know kind of comfortably going in the fourth round now. So what are your thoughts on Kevin Gossman? So it's funny how he's going in the third round now. In the first draft we did with Rob D, I took him and he was my third round pick um, just because I sort of thought, you know, he was um, – not an ace, but he's like the tier below the aces. Um, I have him as my SP 13, um, which is pretty, it's close enough to ADP, but he's, uh, to me, he's just a very good starting pitcher. Um, you know, everyone you know, looks at the same stuff. The K minus walk is awesome. Uh, the one, you know, one thing that pops out at you when you look at his profile is the 363 Babbitt they had last year. Um, and in the previous seasons, it was between 270 and 290. So, you know, I always like the deep, the deep dive. You know, there's a reason some of this stuff happens. It's not just you know, people like to just put, put it into buckets, good luck, bad luck. I really like to dive into why that was the case. I um, mean, it really looked like he was just um, in three ball counts. He was just like throwing fastballs over the middle to just like 
challenge hitters, and um, it obviously didn't work. Um, now the ERA wasn't even bad; it was like fine. It was low threes, mid threes, whatever. Um, it was the whip that really hurt him, and he was off to such a historic start that um, I guess it counteracted the bat, but like being really bad. So, in a long-winded way of saying, he's he's a very good pitcher. And the Babbitt, uh, I mean, it should go down. His his command is very, very good. So I can't imagine that that happens again. And um, I'm definitely buying Gosman where he's going in drafts. Even if he does creep to the third come main event time, I would not be opposed to taking him there. Yeah, you look at the walk percent. You know, it's great that you mentioned that the three ball counts um, kind of issue that he had with uh, giving up a lot of hits. Uh, you know, his walk percent was 3.9 last year, and it's – always been it or pretty much always been in the sixes so mid uh mid sixes 6.5 percent 2021 6.6 in the in the short season um yeah uh, i wonder if pitching in toronto has anything to do with it do you think like the playing surface has something to do with that inflated babip at all uh turf could do that um that's an interesting point i didn't look at other blue jays pitchers to see how their babip was um i know bo bichette is not a great defensive shortstop um even though they do have matt chapman and now this year they're adding kevin kiermeyer and dalton varsho and replacing them with teoscar and lordis who are two atrocious outfielders so they're getting like toronto's pitchers are getting a massive massive boost in outfield defense so that is one thing that is going for him at least but that's a good question about the turf i'm i never really thought about that yeah, I'm just um, obviously the the Babbitt was super high, and I th- think that does come down a little bit. But I do think you, you would imagine that his walk percent would almost go back closer to his, you know, his essentially his career average. Um, so I, w- I just wonder how much those, uh, you know, how much those move. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love Gossman. I love the K's 10.9. I'm sorry, 10.6 K per nine again. Uh, Terrific. That's 10.6 K per nine, two years in a row now. So that's fantastic. Uh, he seems to be a pretty safe bet for innings. 31 uh, games started last year, 33 in 2021. Obviously pitching with Toronto. He should have a lot of wins. Uh, solid, solid lineup. And then you have, uh, you know, a Jordan Romano at the back end. And they've, they've got other great bullpen parts as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to like with Kevin Gossman. And honestly, I'd be, ha- I'd be totally fine if he was my SP one, if I started with three hitters or if I started with two hitters and I'm in a closer, um, I would be totally fine with him as my SP one. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Julio Urias off the board, uh, next. And, um, he's, uh, he's an inter- interesting one for the Dodgers. Uh, he's been so solid for two years in a row now. Right. Um, but when you look at it, uh, if you really look under the hood, there's some things that kind of maybe are a little bit uh, can raise a little bit of concerns. Um, but obviously, pitching for the Dodgers and tons of wins. What are your thoughts on on Julio Urias? So he's basically like Twitter's punching bag this year. Uh, you know, everyone is fading Julio Urias, which is funny because I don't know how he's going so high in drafts if everyone's fading him. But um. Uh, I think one uh, thing that people are sort of overlooking, you know, the people that are fading Urias is how good his stuff is. Um, He spins the ball as well as like anyone in baseball. 
He's a 2,500 RPM fastball and a 2,900 RPM curveball. Like those are elite, elite numbers. Um, so when you see that paired with him, hmm, why does he always underperform his peripheral? Well, not always, but you know, he's only been a starter for two, three years, like in a full season. Oh, why, why does he underperform his peripheral? Well, there's generally a reason, like going back to the Gaussman Babbitt thing, there's a reason why these things happen. Um, it's not just bad luck, good luck. Um, now, granted, do I think Urias is going to have a 2-1 ERA or whatever he had last year? No, of course not. But do I think he can be a 3-2, 3-3 ERA guy with about a K per inning and pitches for the Dodgers and will get a ton of wins? Yeah, of course I do. Um, I think he's going to be very good, and I think if you're looking at pitching projections to guide you um, and you know certain maybe certain parts of pitching projections you can use, but using using ERA estimators for pitching projections, I think will guide you into the wrong direction. Yeah, his uh, he had a, you know I think some of the things that people are looking at is kind of like left on base percent was pretty high, eighty six point two percent. Babbitt was low, two forty one. Uh, you know the swing strike wasn't great, but um, he just seems to be one of those guys that just gets it done right and um again pitches for the dodgers so that's uh that's always a good thing um when it comes to the wins i don't know if i would be happy with him as my sp1 just because i don't think the strikeouts can get to like you know 200 ish uh for a season i don't know if i see that happening uh you know his caper nine kind of he did go down a little bit 8.54 caper nine um from 2021 so I guess it all depends on who else I if like if I if I do take somebody like him I need to have a, an elite strikeout pitcher to go with him um, you know maybe somebody like Robbie Ray ends up as my SP two or something like that or if I get Robbie Ray as my SP three to go with him um, to kind of offset those uh, the lack of strikeouts but um, yeah uh, let's move along uh, Christian Javier um, we've seen him all of a sudden rising. Uh, the up the ADP board, uh, almost getting a little bit out of control, but uh, yeah, Christian Javier, what are your thoughts on uh, on him? Yeah, he is uh, he's very good. He was my number one target um, among all players last year. Um, he was my highest. If you combined redraft and dynasty, he was my highest shared player last year. Um, so that's you know I don't want to. I got plenty of wrong last year. Don't believe me. I'm not going to sit here and only talk about what I was right about. But that was my. Home, you know, everyone has one last year. Yours was, I'm sure, Daniel Bard or someone like that. My home run last year was Christian Javier. Um, and he's he's just so good. Uh, fastball 27% whiff rate, 180 batting average against the slider, 40% whiff rate, 120 batting average against. Um, and those two pitches account for 88% of Javier's pitch count. Um, so uh, going back to the the first starting pitcher episode where we had where Diggs was talking about how the two pitch pitch guys, um, I'm sorry, just two pitch guys don't, you know, everyone um, sort of has an issue with that and it's just nonsense, you know. If someone has two really really good pitches, who it doesn't matter if they only have two and not three. Um, he has a 177 batting average against in 300 career innings. That's nearly two full seasons. Um, it's pretty impressive. So he, there's something there. And Javier's another guy where the projections aren't in love with him in terms of like projecting ERA. Um, the, a 177 batting average against in 300 innings is not a fluke. 
Grant, is it going to be 177 the next 300 innings? No, probably not, but it's still going to be very low because of how good his stuff is. And I think Javier is going to make a big leap this year in terms of how many, in, like how deep he goes in the games. So that was a problem for him in the beginning of the year. And he went six innings in seven of his last 10 starts. Um, so I think um, he's going to evolve as a starter. Will he put up uh, better numbers? Not necessarily, but I still just think he's going to be very good and probably give you more innings than he did last year. Yeah, I was going to ask you how many innings he thought, because if you look uh, at what he did last year, he was over six innings only twice. It was back-to-back starts, June 25th, June 1st, seven innings, both those games. Um, but yeah, he seemed like he was a pretty, pretty much consistent six-inning starter, which is fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you have the K rate that he does, um, you know, 11.7K per nine last year. So it's just one of those things like how many innings do you think – he can uh, go. Do you think he can get, do you think he's somebody who could get to 180? Um, I've projected him. Uh, I'm trying to pull up his fan graphs page, but fan graphs has not been kind to me today. Um, I haven't projected for 170 innings. If he hits 30 starts. Um, yeah. And if he maintains that K rate, you're looking at a, a, a surefire SP one. Essentially, You're looking at 218 strikeouts, roughly 220 strikeouts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we threw 148 last year, so that would be a roughly a 30 inning bump. If again, if he were to make uh, 30 starts, maybe maybe I'm a little light on the innings. Um, I just I like to be a little more conservative with a guy who's only and he hasn't even pitched a full season as a starter yet. Um, in terms of like he has in total, but not like one full. Like last year, he only made 25 starts, um, close to a full season. But I like to be a little more conservative with guys that haven't done it before, just because that's you know the art of starting pitching. It's um. Not a lot of guys go 170 to 200 innings. It's it's pretty rare. Yeah, 170. I mean, if you give me 170 from Christian Hager, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, like you said, only 25 starts last year. So um, if he can get to 30 starts and 170 innings, if he may, can maintain that K rate, um, and then oh, yeah. you know keep keep the ratios low, which I don't really see the ratios really. Um, you know, maybe he's not mid twos. Maybe he's around a three ERA, but that's still obviously really, really solid um, Oh yeah, for somebody like that, especially pitching for Houston. Again, another team that has an elite lineup and elite bullpen. So, uh, you know, wins shouldn't be an issue for Christian Javier. Um, next off the board is Luis Castillo. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it is, Luis it is Luis Castillo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. My fault. Uh, yeah, Luis Castillo. I wasn't sure if it was him or Max Fried. Uh, Lost train of thought there, but yeah, Luis Castillo um, for the Seattle Mariners. That's the key for me with him. Get him out of Cincinnati, get him a full season um, with Seattle pitchers park. He goes from one of the, the, one of the worst pitchers parks in the bigs. And we saw what he was able to do with Seattle last year. And now we're going to get a full season out of Luis Castillo. Um, I'm all aboard the Luis Castillo train. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's just very good. Um, and one thing I noticed, I tried to look at what the Mariners uh, did with him once he, you know, went over to that, went over to Seattle from Cincinnati, like you said, and he started throwing more fastballs, um, which is good, I guess, because it's a very good pitch. Um, he has a good fastball, uh, commands it well. 
And his slider and changeup are just disgusting pitches. He's just a very, very good, well-rounded pitcher. Um, it is funny to me, though, um, and I'll touch on this later, how he had um, a shoulder injury. And Luis Severino also had a shoulder injury, is being dinged for the injury, but Castillo is not. It's so funny how, like, we um, – not race. I guess it is recency biased. How if the injury happened in the beginning of the year, it's okay, but if it happens in the middle of the year and the pit, the guy still comes back, it's not okay. Um, it's very strange how we think and create ADP in our heads and make biases and make decisions. I don't know. I just thought that was super interesting because I, I think Castillo and Severino are like right next to each other in terms of like talent and per inning output, um, but Castillo's going forty picks earlier. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm a huge fan of Castillo. And um, again, I'll touch on the Severino stuff more once we get to him. Yeah, I love both of the Luises. Those are my guys. Uh, <laughs> but if you look at Luis Castillo, um, you know, one issue that I've always had with him was the whip. Uh, the whip just has just always been, you know, not not very good. And where he was going, he was always going in like the second or third round. Um you know, after that huge 2019 season he had. Uh, so, but, but if you look at the whips, like over his, the course of his career, like uh, in short season, one, two, three, 2021, one, three, six. Uh, in 2018, one, two, two. Even in his huge season he had in 2019, it was still one, one, four, which is good, but it's not elite by any means. Um, but if you look at last year, uh, 108. So now we're getting much better. Um, first season with a sub three ERA, which was 2.99. So, but it still qualifies. Uh, but anyways, it's the whip for me, um, is the reason I'm, I'm in and the price, you know, he's not going as that second and third round guy anymore. He's going in the fifth and the full season with Seattle. I just think he's primed for a huge breakout. Again, Seattle's bullpen, just like we talked about with Houston and the Dodgers, it's elite. Um, if they, if he leaves with a lead, it's most likely going to stand. And uh, yeah, there's just, a, there's a ton of, to like about Luis Castillo. Uh, let's see next off the board, Max Freed, um, where I got a little confused earlier, but yeah, Max Freed off the board, Atlanta starter, uh, ADP of 67 men of 56 max of 85 over the last month. So that's a pretty good, uh, you know, amount of picks there. Almost, uh, almost 30 picks. Um, what are your thoughts on Max Freed? Um, so he probably won't be anyone I draft uh, on any of my teams. Not because he's bad. I just think he's going too early. Um, I think Drew Rasmussen is just as good as Max Freed, except has better stuff. He goes way, way, way later. Um, just on a, on a per inning basis, at least, I think Rasmussen is going to be just as good, if not better. Um and Freed's just going much, much too early, in my opinion. Um, and not only Rasmussen, but Julio Urias is going to be someone, you know, that people people are going to put them in the same bucket, Freed and Urias. And uh, Urias's stuff is just so much better. Um, it's not actually not even really close. Um, Freed, his, his fastball isn't very good. Um, it's able to like limit power, but it doesn't get many whiffs and 
you know, he's really just relying on the breaking stuff, which is good. Like, again, he's a good pitcher. Um, I also think he just got a little lucky, too. He had a 21% K-minus walk in full counts last year. League average is negative 3%, so about 24 percentage points higher than average. Um, and in 2021, it was 1%. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of regression there. In his last 90 innings, he had a 3-5 Sierra. That's what I would expect his ERA to be around moving forward, like a 3-3 to a 3-5. Um, I just don't know if you can keep up that type of home run suppression for so long. And again, it's not like it's Urias where he has elite stuff and elite command. He has good command and just like meh stuff, um, especially with the fastball. So I don't know. Again, he's not bad. It's just not someone I'm ever going to draft because I can find I can find an 8K per 9 good ratio guy uh, much, much later. Yeah, that's the thing with him. Like He has to have those elite ratios because the lack of Ks. Um, now, there are some things that I do like about him. I think he's going to be a candidate for a lot of wins um, just because, again, a, another team with an elite bullpen and an elite lineup. Uh, the walks per nine was fantastic. 1.6 walks per nine. And you combine that with a 0.6 home run per nine. Like you're going to have good ratios if, if those two were to stand like that. Um, but yeah, it's the strikeouts. It's the, it's the complete lack of strikeouts. You'd have to, if you're going to take somebody like Max Fried, I think you have to have a, a really big, big strikeout pitcher. Um, you know, maybe someone like, Dylan Cease would be somebody uh, that would be a good pairing with him. Um, but yeah, this is uh he's just going in the range with so many elite starting pitchers. Like this is like the, the hot spot for starting pitchers for me. Um, if you, if you decide to wait a little bit on, um, you know, the first couple of rounds, you, you just avoid starting pitching. I mean, all these guys, Gossman, uh, you know, Javier, uh, Luis Castillo, I would take all those guys easily over Max Freed, but um yeah, again, like this could be somebody at, if you're drafting, if you're at the five, six turn, let's say you, you started with a big, uh, an ace, you know, somebody like Corp, uh, Burns or Cole, like that'd be a good pairing, I think, uh, to have somebody like Freed with. But um, I think I have only one share of Max Freed right now, and he's not really a huge target for me. But um, yeah, so next off the board, uh, Alec Manoa. This is a guy that's. Uh, it was kind of confusing last year. Um, I was in my 1K DC, and I only had one starting pitcher through six six round or uh, six rounds, and which is that's kind of odd for me because usually I like to get at least two starting pitchers in, my, in the first five rounds, and uh, I was through six with only one starting pitcher, and it was Sandy, and obviously that worked out, but I I. With Alec Manoa, I had no idea. Like, I there was like nobody talking about him, so I was like, I was asking all these people, like, what are your thoughts on Manoa? Because I I don't see anybody talking about him. You know, I, I had no idea how many innings he was going to be able to go uh, after only 111 in 2021. But obviously, in 2021, we saw a really good uh, strikeout rate, 127 strikeouts and in 111 innings, uh, good ratios, and obviously he's pitching for Toronto, so wins should be there. Um, so he's just one of those guys I didn't really know anything about. And it's kind of funny because Cor- Corbin Young, I mean, he said he was going to put together an article for me uh, <laughs> prior to last season just because uh, he agreed. Like, there's like nobody talking about him. So, um, but yeah, I took Manoa. Obviously, he had a fantastic season, 196 
in two-thirds innings, 2-2-4 ERA, .99 whip. Uh, the strikeouts weren't quite there like they like they were the year before, only an 8.2K per nine uh, coming off a 10.24K per nine in 2021. So um, I don't have any shares of Manoa this year. Uh, there's just too many things like the, the strikeout rate drop, the swinging strike isn't great. Um, it, it was a 255 Babbitt last year. So what are your thoughts on Alec Manoa? Uh, it's sort of the same bucket as Max Freed. Um, I, I just think he's going way too high. I think I have Manoa um, as my SP38, and he's currently going as SP19, I think. Um, so I'm probably not. I'm probably gonna have zero shares. Um, I have him right next to Logan Gilbert in my rankings. Um, you, you just you're not gonna get a a two two ERA again. Um, and a 0.9 whip. Um, There's just a lot of regression coming. Uh, his slider's elite, no doubt. And his fastball gets a lot of whiffs. Even though it regressed a little bit last year, it still gets a lot of whiffs. Um, he's good. He's definitely good. Um, I just, uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, similar to similar to Max Fried, similar to Julio Urias. Um, if I were to clump all three of them, into um you know a group i would say uh urius one um i think manoa two max freed three that's who i'd prefer out of that out of that group um i don't know it, it's it's risky taking guys that you know because again i don't think you can clump these guys in with sandy because sandy has such elite elite stuff and just doesn't go for strikeouts necessarily that's why he doesn't strike as many guys out whereas um you know yeah these guys are also pitched to contact as well but they do not have the stuff that um and the reason why i keep bringing up stuff is stuff is what in my opinion makes a performance repeatable um how good your pitches are makes something you know i think like i think sandy could be at this level for multiple seasons because of how good he is manoa and freed I could see – well, just look at what Max Fried did in 2019. He's no different than he was in 2019. And while, yes, that was like the quote-unquote rabbit ball, I mean, he had um, he almost had a four ERA. Um, and he's, he's uh, basically the same pitcher. Um, so I, I just think you have to bake in a lot of regression with these guys. And, again, they're still good. I think they're good pitchers. I just don't think they should be going this high. Yeah, absolutely. And I would 100% – rather this next guy than all uh, those previous three that we just talked about. Zach Gallen. Uh, now, this is probably one of the first pitchers that we're going to talk about, and I've been kind of mentioning this a lot on this episode, but uh, Zach Gallen does not have an elite bullpen, uh, and he does not have an elite lineup. So wins could be a little bit of an issue. Uh, you know, he's also in a pretty tough division with, you know, pitching against Dodgers and, um, at Coors and and the Padres and stuff like that, but um, I would I would much rather Zach Allen than uh, you know Freed Manoa and uh, and those guys. But uh, what are your thoughts on Zach Allen? Yeah, so I think um, I just I have labels for every player, and I just have labeled for Zach Allen mispriced. Um, I have him as my as my SP ten. Um, he um, he dominated the second half of the season. He had a 30% K and a 6% walk from July to the end of the year. Um, and it's not really a surprise that he started working with Brent Strom, uh, the former Houston pitching coach, 
and took a big stride forward this year. Um, he has four plus pitches. He has great command. He's someone I've liked for years uh, ever since he, um, he was that one guy. If I was doing DCs at the time, I would have drafted in every single DC um, because he, um, the year he came up, he was just dominating the minor leagues and then um, came up and was not great, but everything under the hood was awesome. And then you know, he's developed into what he is now. Um, I don't know if he can necessarily take another step like I think Javier can. I just think maybe you'll get a full season of what he did in the second half uh, this year. So I believe he had um, he had like shoulder bursitis or something in the offseason. And he, st- he started a little late. So maybe that's why he was off to a bit of a slow start. Um, and then, you know, dominated the second half. But he's just um, he's a very, very good pitcher. And again, I have him as my SP10. And um, I think he's going as SP21. 20 so yeah i think that's a it's a pretty good deal yeah there's a lot to like with him um if you look at last year uh, you know he did have a 237 babip um but if you look at like all the other era indicators 305 fip 332 x fip and a 332 sierra so uh yeah this is this is a terrific target as an sp2 um, and if you have a pitcher heavy build and you get him as SP three, that's even better. So that's uh, definitely somebody I would be interested in there. Uh, next guy off the board is you Darvish going at uh, let's see here. 76 uh, for an ADP min of 56 max of 90. Uh, so again, that's a pretty big uh, difference here in, in picks 34 picks. You uh, Darvish is somebody who had a massive season last year. Uh, 16 wins, 3-1 ERA, 0.95 whip, and 197 strikeouts. Uh, you know, he threw 194 and two-thirds innings, which is the most he's thrown since 2013. Now he's getting a little bit older, but uh, I guess I'll let you uh, go first here. What are your thoughts on you, Darvish? I'm just always going to draft you, Darvish, because he's just so friggin' good at pitching. Um, so I'll take him, you know, whenever. I'm never going to see you, Darvish, get taken off the board and be like, yeah, that was a bad pick. Um, I don't really care that he's 36 years old. Uh, you're getting you're getting a good price on him this year, and the stuff is just still so so good. His fastball is still so good. Um, I actually think he got unlucky with uh, strikeouts too. Now he started striking out batters um, more in the second half of the season, I believe. Um, I was trying again. I was trying to pull it up, but yes, in the first half he had a 23% K, in the second half he had a 29% K. Um, and I believe his indicators were moving towards that being the case. I think he got pretty unlucky early on. Um, he's just, I don't know. I don't need to go deeper into it. He's very good. And I don't really care that he's 36 years old. Yeah. It's really, it's only the age, right? That's gotta be the only thing that's kind of holding him back. Um, 1.7 walks per nine last year. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, there's a lot to like with you Darvish. How about his teammate, Joe Musgrove? Real quick before we finish talking about Darvish, he did just sign a six-year deal. And I think that is somewhat meaningful, even though you can't predict pitcher injuries, that he's that he's healthy, right? Because if the Padres had in the Padres know more than us, obviously. If they had concerns about him staying healthy and making it through a full season, and he's made it through the last four seasons, 31 starts, 12 starts in a third of a season, 30-30. If the Padres were at least a little bit worried about him staying healthy, they would not sign him to a freaking six-year deal. 
So I think um, if you're not going to draft him because of age, I think that's a that's a mistake. Sorry. Connie no, Moskowitz. Yeah, no, that's you're absolutely right. And another guy, elite bullpen, elite lineup, um, maybe the best lineup in the history of baseball, but we'll see. Um, at least the top half, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least the top half, yeah. But yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see how things go there. But yeah, his teammate, same situation, Joe Musgrove next off the board. Um, gets to have that same lineup, same elite bullpen. Uh Joe Musgrove going off the board, uh right around where Darvish is, pick 77, min of 65, max of 91. Uh, what are your thoughts on Musgrove? So Musgrove's interesting. He is um, the junk baller. He throws a bunch of bunch of off-speed pitches, um, and he's quite good. Obviously, he had a great year last year. Um, uh, what I would worry about a little bit is that he doesn't throw very hard, and uh, I'm slightly worried about guys that don't throw hard, how they age, um, and he is going to be 30 years old. Um Again, he's not someone I'm fading. He's a good pitcher. I just um I don't know. I think I like the I think I like uh the guys going around him more than him. Like I like Darvish more than him, I like Gallon more than him, I like McKenzie more than him. So he's not necessarily a fade, but he would have to fall just a little bit in drafts. I even I even might like Severino just as much as him. Um Again, it's not. I don't think he's bad or anything. Um, he's good. You know, the K's are good. I just. Um, it looked like he started to wear down a bit in the second half last year. Um, again, I'm trying to go through uh, fan graphs, and it's not working for me. So bear with me. Um, but, uh, again, I might be pulling shit out of my ass, but I'm fairly certain he. Um, yes, his home run rate. Uh, doubled in the second half of the season. And if I go to his stuff numbers and break them down by um, points of the season, his stuff at the All-Star break was 106. And it fell down to 100 by the end of the year, which would mean that, so if it was at 106 in July, that means by the end of the season, it was maybe at like, I don't know, it, ha- it would have to be in like the mid-90s. And for... Just as a reference point for people that don't use the stuff numbers, uh, the Eno sheet, that would be well below average. So I think something happened with, I don't know if it was the shapes of his pitches, if it was velocity, something happened where that, again, I like to look at why something happened. His home run rate doubled in the second half and his stuff was way down in the second half. So that would tell you, okay, something changed. So that's just a bit of a red flag for me. Um, again, on top of the fact that he's going to be 30 years old, he doesn't throw very hard, and he's just a stuff guy. Like he's going to throw sliders, cutters, changeups. He just throws a bunch of junk at you. So I wonder how well he's going to age. That would be my one gripe with Musgrove. Yeah, I definitely agree with um, with when you said you like a lot of those other guys around him and some of the guys behind him. I definitely agree uh, with that. I, I don't think I have any shares of Musgrove yet. But um, he's not somebody I have crossed off my list. If he if he follows me, I'll gladly take it. So, but I would probably most likely need to have a little bit of a discount. Uh, let's see. Next off the board is Framber Valdez. Um, ADP of eighty, min of sixty five, max of ninety five. Uh, obviously, a ton of ground balls, um, an absurd amount of ground balls. Uh, but we did see him break out last year, 201 in the third innings, which is really solid. 194 strikeouts, uh, had 17 wins. 
uh, 2.82 ERA. And, you know, those are all obviously really, really good. Uh, then we go to the issue that I have with them and the reason that I'm kind of fading them. Um, even with all of those elite metrics, uh, he still had a 116 whip. And as I've told you a million times, you're probably sick of me saying it, but I'm a whip drafter. Like, if you don't have a, an elite whip, there's a good chance I'm not drafting you in the first, you know, seven, eight rounds. Um, walks per nine were three, three walks per nine, which is still, it's not good in my opinion, um, but it's better than what it has been. So I guess if he can continue to, to lower those walks, you know, we might be able to see, um, you know, the whip continue to come down, but I don't know. I've just, I, I have issues with, with guys that walk that many guys and, um, you know, he's got a low swinging strike percent and it's just, uh, I know he had a great like run in the second half, but I don't know. I guess, what are your thoughts on Framer Valdez? Um, I, I kind of just think he's too good. Um, he has the best curveball in all of baseball, um, um, at least among starting pitchers. Um, it's a ridiculously elite pitch that no one can make the even decent contact with. Um, again, a 2,800 RPM curveball that has a 45% whiff rate. It's it's an absurd, absurd pitch um, that when he has it going, he's uh, he's unhittable, basically. Um, I will point out he did start throwing a cutter midway through the season. Um, so it was, he started throwing it in April and it was only at 5% usage. And then by the end of the season, he was throwing it at uh 15% usage. So, um, and that pitch was dominating hitters on the season. His cutter had a 118 average against and a 35% whiff rate. So, um, someone as good as, as Framber already is just adding, uh, that kind of pitch is, um, I think it's pretty meaningful. Yeah. I don't know what's, what is, I don't know what the hell is up with my computer. I'm trying to like do stuff on Savant and Fangraphs, so but just nothing's working. So again, bear with me. Yes. <laughs> just double checking. He did not throw a cutter last uh, in 2021. Um, so I think like a pitcher that's that good, um, adding a pitch of that quality. Um, so you got the cut, you got the sinker that no one can even put any type of lift on. It is a negative, a million degree launch angle. Uh, just go, people just hit it straight into the ground. And then he's got the curveball and cutter to get the whiffs and he's on the Astros. Um, yeah, I guess the concerns with whip are valid because ground ball pitchers are generally going to have, um, especially because he walks more, more batters. Ground ball pitchers are generally going to have a higher whip because let's say, for example, like comparing him to Javier and Dylan Cease, they get lots of pop-ups, and pop-ups have virtually a zero BABIP, and fly, like fly balls have very low BABIPs. Um, so a guy that like Framber, who generates line drives and ground balls more, he's going to have a higher BABIP, even though 280 is still like around league average. Um, so yeah, that's fair about the, the whip, but I still think he's just um, he's a very good pitcher that, again, is just getting better. Um, I, I like adding adding that cutter and taking another step like he did last year. Next off the board is Tyler Glass now. Um, this guy is another fade for me, but for different reasons. And I mean, obviously, I love all of his stuff. Give me Framber Valdez innings with all Glass now stuff, and we have an SP one. 
Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, we can't just combine the players. So uh, Tyler Glass now is a huge fade for me. I'd be surprised if he even got to 120 innings, uh, which he has never done in his career. So that's the only reason I'm fading him. How about you? Yeah, I just can't draft him where he's going. Um, he threw six innings last year, an 80 the year before, and 60 the year before. I, I don't, I don't know. How can I trust this guy to stay healthy? In 60 before that. <laughs> 2019 was 62. So it's oh, like- I'm sorry, I was referring to 2019. I, I wasn't really counting 2020 as a season. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, six eighty-eight, sixty—the last three full seasons. Um, yeah, I don't even know what I would put his max innings like. What if everything goes right? How many innings could he possibly throw this year? Maybe one twenty. And if he gave you one twenty, he'd be like a mini Degrom in terms of like per inning production. But I don't know what would make you think he can get to one hundred and twenty innings. I hope he does. He's insanely good. I'm just not going to um, – I'm not going to draft him. In a fab league, I'd be much more willing to draft him. In a DC, no way in hell. Yeah, that's – I mean, that, that's, I don't really have anything else to add. I'm just fading because of the innings. Um, I would much rather the next guy, Tristan McKenzie, who's going off the board um, at pick 86, min of 70, max of 98. Uh, so we see a guy here with McKenzie who only 28 picks uh, in between – in between uh, the min and max of the last month. So uh, kind of going in a, a fairly close range. Um, Tristan McKenzie, I would much rather have than, uh, than Glass now. And Framber, uh, again, the whip, uh, 2.95 last year, 2.96 year, 190 strikeouts, 11, uh, 11 wins, through 191 in the third innings. So that's really, really solid. Uh, what are your thoughts on McKenzie? So I think McKenzie's a prime guy to like take that Zach Gallon step forward this year. Um, I think he obviously he was good last year for sure, but I think he can be that like 200 plus strikeout ace level arm um, this season. Uh, all three of his pitches are very good, um, especially the command of them. And he had a 28% K and a 5% walk in his last 17 starts, July to the end of the season. Um, and I'd be comfortable with like if if I see hitters falling in drafts and I see maybe a closer that I want, I'd be comfortable with him as my SP one because again, I think he can be that guy. He's 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 only gonna be 25 years old. So again, I think there's another step in there. And um I think he could be a 200 strikeout pitcher, and that's really huge, in my opinion, if you're getting an SP one. I think he has to check I think he has to check that box. And I think McKenzie can. Um he's he's just very good and there, there's more in the tank there. Yeah, we saw his Ks come down a little bit uh, from 2021. It went from 10.2K per nine to 8.94. But what, what I really like to see is the walks, uh, 4.35 per nine in 2021, down to 2.07 uh, in 2022. So that is that's fantastic to see. Um, if we can get a little bit, get that uh, get that you know K K rate back up a little bit, I definitely agree. I mean, we saw 191 innings, so it doesn't the K rate doesn't need to go up that much more to uh, land him into into the 200k range so and again uh, in the yeah. second in the second half he struck out more batters so yeah he just has to do that throughout a full season yeah yep and he's uh in his prime when he's pitching for an organization that has been known to develop pretty good pitching so uh i'm all aboard the tristan mckenzie train 
off the board next, uh, George Kirby, uh, Seattle Mariners, uh, ADP of 97, min of 81, max of 117. So we got a 40, or I'm sorry, 36 pick difference between uh, the min and max here in the last month. Um, go ahead, I'll let you go ahead on Kirby first because, you know, he's a pretty big prospect that came up last year and pitched pretty well. So go ahead with uh, what are your thoughts on George Kirby? Yeah, so when Kirby first came up, um, he was explained to me uh, from someone I was, um, you know, reading a scouting report, and it was basically like Kyle Hendricks that throws 96 miles an hour, 95 miles an hour, um, which is, you know, sounds intriguing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just getting, yeah, yeah, his average fastball is 95 miles an hour. So yeah, he was explaining to me as Kyle Hendricks that throws 95 miles an hour, and that, I think that's pretty decently accurate. Um, he's a good pitcher. His fastball is very good, which is huge. Again, if you listen to the episode with Deegs, um, a prior pitching episode, we talk about how fastballs are very important because it's the pitch you're going to throw the most. Um, I just worry that uh, none of the secondaries are any good, um, which is a bit concerning. Uh, his curveball had a very, very low whiff rate. Uh, his cutter uh, got absolutely pummeled. Um his slider had a very low whiff rate and his changeup had a very low whiff rate. So I think he, ha I think he, as he gets older, I would assume he's going to, instead of throwing six pitches, he's probably going to throw four and probably take two of those out and sort of like maximize his um, pitch mix. I'm just not sure if any of them are any good. Again, I don't have like any advanced data or anything on them about like the movement profile and everything. So I can't, I'm sure someone that knows more than me can say, oh, well, this curveball has really good characteristics, yada, yada, yada. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because, again, he's a 25-year-old pitcher. That is good. I just um, – I'm worried that he might be going a bit too high. I think there's going to be regression, especially in the walk rate. Um, he's similar to Max Fried. He had a 19% K-minus walk in full counts last year. And, again, league average is negative three. So you have to regress him to that number, in my opinion. So the 4% walk rate he posted last year, I don't think he's going to repeat that. Um, again, good pitcher. Uh, like, I don't dislike any of these guys. I just think, you know, some are going a lot higher than they should. And I think Kirby's a guy that, you know, while he might give you volume and be solid, I think he's going a little too high. Yeah, again, like this is um, – these pitchers – that we talked about in the first episode and this episode, like these are like the foundation of your team. So you, we kind of have to nitpick a little bit on, um, on certain things. And I definitely agree with Kirby's secondaries. The curveball uh, allowed a 305 batting average. The cutter allowed a 362 batting average. And he threw those pitches 13 and 12% of the time. Uh, the sinker allowed a 266 batting average slider, 283. Uh, the fastball was good. Um, like you, like you said, but um, he's going to need to develop uh, a secondary pitch because, you know, a lot of these major league hitters, that's probably the first time they're facing him. And now that they've seen him, that fastball is going to be a little bit easier to hit. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's somebody I don't have a lot of shares of. It's always kind of a good debate between him and uh, Logan Gilbert, who, uh, you know, we'll get into in, in a little bit here. But it's always kind of a good debate between who would you rather between those two. Um but uh, let's move along to a different Seattle pitcher, uh, Robbie Ray, uh, going off the board here at uh, 97, min of 86, max of 111. Um, we knew he wasn't going to repeat what he did in his last season in Toronto, 
but he was still uh, respectable. 212 strikeouts, uh, 12 wins, 119 whip, 371 ERA. Uh, what are your thoughts on Robbie Ray? So he is, um, he's very interesting. Obviously, he had a, he had a 370 ERA last year, and that's pretty high given uh, the rest of the guys going around him, right? Like, there's really no three fives of four ERA guys. And I know ERA is ERA. Like, yeah, I know. It doesn't really mean a lot. But I do think he's deserving of a three to a four ERA. Um, he's given up a lot of home runs every single year of his career. Like, it, that's just something that's always going to be an issue with him. He gives up home runs. Um, but what I would be a little bit concerned about is that he got his average fastball velo from nine from 92 in 2019 to 94 in 2021 um and then it went back down to 93 so um again he's he's going to be 31 years old so it's a little concerning to see the fastball velo drop a full mile per hour and then uh, it reflected in his stuff numbers his stuff was um was a decent bit worse in 2022 than it was in 2021 and again he uh, still had the strikeouts as a whole, but his strikeout rate went from 32% to 27%. So a decent drop. Um, I, I don't know. I get that the volume is there and the overall K number is there, but he's probably not someone I'm going to draft much of because I think there uh, there could be some real decline issues with Robbie Ray just because um, – I don't, I don't know. I don't love I don't love the stuff and I don't love the fastball being down, the strikeouts being down. That's just not um that doesn't really scream by to me. Yeah, the strikeouts being I mean his strikeout rate was still 10.1 per 9 last year, so it wasn't like the super super elite it's been since 2016 essentially. Um swing strike was still there. Uh yeah, the the walks and the in the home runs is is definitely an issue i thought for sure that the home runs would go down since he's pitching in in seattle but um it, you know it was still definitely an issue and you combine that with the walks like that's just a recipe for disaster the strikeout rate needs to rem remain elite uh you know to offset that so um yeah we'll see what he can do with the strikeouts this is kind of why i said that like he's kind of a, a if you're going to take a max free that kind of makes sense to um you know, grab a Robbie Ray, uh, somebody to, to, to build those strikeouts, strikeouts up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so next guy off the board, uh, Luis Severino. This is our guy. We mentioned earlier, uh, ADP of 105, min of 91, max of 122. Uh, what are your thoughts on Luis Severino? So yeah, like I alluded to earlier, I think Luis Severino um, on a per inning basis is going to be just as good as Luis Castillo. Um, he has a very good fastball. Very good slider, very good changeup, and um, you know he gets strikeouts. Uh, I believe he had almost identical K to walk as Luis Castillo did last year. Um, he's he's just really good. And again, I get that he had a shoulder injury and missed you know eight to ten starts with it, but he came back um, in September. And his last start of the season on October 3rd, he went seven innings, one walk, seven strikeouts. Um, and I believe he pitched in the playoffs as well. Um, yes, 
he pitched. Yeah, I mean, he, he pitched two playoff games. Uh, I don't know. So he's healthy, right? I'm not worried about the health. And he is, um, in my opinion, a better pitcher than Robbie Ray, a better pitcher than George Kirby. Um, so I would, um, I will definitely have plenty of Luis Severino in this range. And again, I think he's just as good as Luis Castillo on a perning basis. So I think uh, I'm, I'm happy to get the 40 pick discount. Yeah, I got a, a ton of shares of Luis Severino already. He's one of my most rostered players. Uh, there's a, to me, there's just a ton to like here. Just if look, if just from looking at uh, just like what he's done essentially, right? So like in 2017 and 2018, he was obviously you know super elite. Uh, 230 strikeouts, 220 strikeouts of those two seasons. Um, 2019, we saw the injury short season, obviously after that. Uh, and then we saw the injury again in 2021. Now in 2022, we saw him bounce back 112 strikeouts and 102 innings, 318 ERA, one whip. And there were some things being said that he was like not happy that they put him on the 60 day DL or IL because he was like, didn't think he was going to be out that long. I think the Yankees might've done that. Uh, on purpose just to, um, you know, kind of limit his innings last year because he hadn't pitched, you know, really since 2018. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they did that on purpose to limit his limit his innings so that he was good to go for the postseason, which bodes well, I think, for 2023 because, you know, I don't want him bouncing back with 180 innings after not pitching for three years, basically. Um, so I think they've he's been slowly built up, and I think that we're going to see – 150 innings, 160 innings, I think. And he's pitching for the Yankees, so they should win a lot. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, a good lineup, uh, good bullpen. So, um, yeah, sign me up all day for the Luis Severino. Um, I got him a lot in the eighth round, and I'm hoping that he can just remain there all the way through March. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think if he's pitching well <laughs> in spring training, he's going to be one that moves up quite a bit. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot to like. I mean, he's throwing hard again. You know, he was throwing uh, 97, 98 in September. So it's like this is uh, this is one of the few guys down in this range um, that I think can finish as an SP one fairly easily. And uh, yeah, so I'm all aboard the Luis Severino train. Uh, next off the board, Logan Gilbert. Um, so we talked about Kirby. We talked about Ray. Now we go to another Seattle starter. Um, ADP of 110, min of 90, max of 132. What are your thoughts on Logan Gilbert? So, um, uh, I do have a little bit of bias because I really, really like Logan Gilbert. Um, but I just, um, to me, this is an ace in the making, and I know it's like, um, it's not very easy to see. You know, people look at a stack cast page and go, oh, well, they. Look at those hard hit rates. They're so bad. And you look at, oh, his Cato walk isn't that great and all this. But um, I think he has a really good fastball. Um, uh, the extension on it is ridiculous. He gets 7-4 extension. And what that means is that he releases the ball closer to the plate. And the closer you release the ball to the plate, the faster it's going to appear to the batter. So even though he does throw 96, it kind of appears like 97, 98, and it plays up. Um and his slider is just a very good pitch. Um, and at the end of the season, he started throwing a different curveball. Um, and Eno had said that that curveball rated as his best pitch stuff-wise. 
Um, he started throwing again. He started throwing at the very end of the year. And if you look at Gilbert's Gilbert's last seven starts, he had a 26% K and a 5% walk rate um, with a 2.13 ERA and a 3.15 xFIP. Um, so again, I just think this is a guy. I know people are going to say you're crazy. How do you love Robbie Ray? How do you how do you dislike Robbie Ray, but you love Logan Gilbert? If you just look at their numbers, like on the surface, but I think Robbie Ray is trending downward. I think Logan Gilbert is training up. And I, again, I think this is similar to Tristan McKenzie. I think he takes a big step forward this year. Um, just everything that I look at again is pointing in the right direction. I just think he's going to be, you know, about a caper inning guy that gives you a ton of volume. Um, and it's just a really good pitcher. Yeah, the volume's key here. 185 and two-thirds innings last year. So it seems like he's going to be the workhorse. Um, and again, just like Robbie Ray and George Kirby, he's got a really good lineup and a super elite bullpen. So um, if you're going to be a workhorse uh, on a good team, the wins are likely going to be there. So um, I know a lot of people say they don't draft wins, and, it, you know, wins – the wins category can be very frustrating at times, but uh, those are key factors in, in that category. So um, it is still part of our scoring. So it is something I think that we need to look at. So, yeah, I'm i I'm in on Logan Gilbert too. I, I don't have very many shares just because I was always taking um, Severino over him, but uh, I, I do have at least one or two shares. So uh, I'm all aboard the Logan Gilbert train. However, the other Logan that I, I don't have any shares of, and it's kind of surprising that he's going down here, is uh, is Logan Webb. Uh, he was a guy that I had no interest in last year. I just There's a lot of things I don't like um, about Logan Webb. The, the strikeouts are just almost non-existent. I mean, 7.6K per nine, just not very good. Um, you know, he does limit home runs fairly well. I think that has a lot to do with the park he's, he's pitching in. Um, and he throws a lot of ground balls. Um, so those two things kind of factoring into that. But uh, 2.3 walk per nine, uh, it's not not terrible. It's not great. It's just kind of middle of the road. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, the lack of strikeouts. He was going way too high last year, which, um, you know, his numbers were almost as good as, la- as, uh, as 2021. So it's kind of su- uh, surprising to see how far he's dropped uh, for this season. Uh, what are your thoughts on Logan web yes it's funny i think he's just as good as max Fried and alec manoa um and he's going significantly later that's sort of why i'm out on those guys i don't like it's the same kind of profile it's a fastball that gets weak contact and it's secondaries that miss bats um again same thing as max Fried and uh alec manoa i'm not really sure why web is going so much later um i think the strikeout should bounce a little bit more towards um 2021 he had a 26 percent k 2021, 20% K in 2022. I think, um, you know, you can't project somewhere in the middle, but I would expect it to go closer to 2021 next year. Um, he gets a shit ton of ground balls. That's what it, that's what he throws his sinker for. Um, the sinker really regressed as a pitch. It wasn't very good last year. But his secondaries are uh, very good. A slide spins the shit out of a slider. And, you know, he gets uh, he has almost a 60% ground ball rate. Um, I'm on Savant, Savant and Fangraphs. Their rates are different, so I just like to specify. He had a 58% ground ball rate last year. Um, that's insanely good, and you're going to have a low ERA when you have a 60% ground ball rate. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'm fine t- drafting him here because this is where I think you know, guys like Freedom and Noah should be going. Um, I, I just think he's just, I don't know, I think he's just as good. Maybe a little bit less K's, but I think overall, like across all categories, I think he's just as good. Yeah, that's why I, I don't like what I don't know where people think. I think he was going way, way too high prior to last season. I think he was going um, in the 60s last year, 60s or 70s. Yeah, and he did basically the same thing. You know, he kind of did exactly what I mean, I think pretty much exactly what was expected out of him. And then he, he's going so much later now. It's uh, this is one of the odd um, ADPs to me. I have no idea why this guy would drop this much. Um, I, maybe people are expecting more out of him going into this past season, but uh, it's got to be the strikeouts, right? The strikeouts just fell off a lot. I just think, um, I don't know, it's really funny to me how so in 2021 he gets a 26% K and people draft him really high saying, okay, well, next year he's gonna have a 26% K, and then this year is a 20% K, and he's dropping because people are like, oh, well, he's gonna have a 20% K. Um, so it's like you're just biased to what he just did. Uh, previous season and if you look at csw which accounts for i I like using it to like try to not predict strikeout rates but see if they were legit or not he had a 31 percent csw in 2021 and a 29 percent csw in 2022 i don't think that drop that two percent drop off um even a swinging strike rate it was down but it wasn't like so far down that his k rate should have dropped six percentage points um, 6% is a lot for a K rate to drop. I just don't think, um, I don't know. I, I'm higher on Webb's strikeouts than apparently everybody else is because he's falling so far. But again, just to hammer the point home, I think he's just as good as Max Fried and Alec Manoa. So I don't know. Yeah, definitely agree with uh, pretty much the same profile. Um, next off the board, Nestor Cortez, um, New York Yankees, another uh, Yankees pitcher, ADP of 112, min of 95, max of 132. Uh, I did not have any Nestor Cortez last year, and it was pretty frustrating seeing him do so well. Um, did you have any Nestor Cortez last year or this year? I don't have any this year yet either. So, <laughs> no, it's uh, funny. I, I had none. I've none this year. Last year, I, would, I had a ton of them. Um, he was just a guy that um, popped when you went under the hood and like looked at K minus walk and all that stuff. And once I found out that he was going to be in the rotation, it's just a guy I started drafting a ton of. Um, my one worry with him is the home run rate. Um, he's always been someone that's given up a lot of home runs. And he did in the first half. And uh, in the second half, the uh, the home runs just sort of disappeared. He had 0.4 home runs per nine in the second half. And I don't know how sustainable that is. Um, he's basically all – he's all about like funk – and delivery and like throwing the hitter off, he's not going to blow by, he's not going to blow stuff by you. So he's very hard for me to evaluate because it's all about deception. And, you know, he, he like holds his leg up and then he'll pitch and, and then he'll like quick pitch the next time. So um, I don't know. He's very hard for me to evaluate. And I think he's good. I just don't know what to expect from him. I guess I would say. Uh, I I don't really know. Um, I think it's a pretty wide range of outcomes. A 27-year-old pitcher that throws 90 miles an hour that just randomly has a 2-4-4 ERA. Um, I don't know. 
I don't I really don't know what to expect them. I think he's the closest thing to R.A. Dickey that we've seen since R.A. Dickey. Like just very unorthodox. He's not he's the complete opposite of where the league is going direction wise. Like everyone's throwing a million miles an hour and disgusting sliders. And this guy just throws like four seamers and cutters from like a weird slot. And it's just super unorthodox. So I think he's interesting. I just, uh, again, I don't know what to expect from him. I think that's my issue drafting him. Ton of fly balls. Um, do you uh, off the, do you, I don't know. I'm sure if you have it up, but do you know what his home run per fly ball percent was? It was point. He had 0.9 home runs per Oh, home run to fly ball percent. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was 8% last year. Okay. Um, which is quite low. Um, and yeah, he gave up 40. He does have a decent infield fly ball rate, which is good to see. Um, again, though, home runs were sort of always his issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2021, he gave up 1.3 homers per nine. And in the short stints of him pitching in the big leagues he gave up a shit ton of home runs uh, in 2019 he had two homers per nine and 66 innings as a reliever uh, and again in 2021 you know he gave up a lot of homers as a as a hybrid starter and reliever so i don't know i think you have to regress the 0.9 homer per nine but i i, I don't know I, I know i've said it a hundred times already but i just don't know what to expect from him i think that's my issue drafting him yeah, we saw a career high in uh, walks per nine and um, a career best walks per nine, I should say, and career best home run per nine. So if both of those just kind of go back to the, you know, his career norm, which obviously, you know, he's through that was 158 innings last year was the most he's ever thrown. So um, if, but if it, there's any kind of regression in those two numbers, I think, uh, um, you know, we could see, like you said, a very uh, wide range of outcomes. So um, I'm off. Nestor Cortez, um, also because I like this next guy a lot, uh, Hunter Green. Um, I think that uh, I have a ton of shares of him already, and it's not surprising. Um, this is a guy that we saw really dominate uh, towards the end of the season. Um, huge prospect, throws insanely hard. Um, obviously, pitches for Cincinnati, so there's some issues with with uh, the park and the and the you know the team in general the wins. But uh, what are your thoughts on Hunter Green? Yeah, actually, in the beginning of the offseason, someone said that Hunter Green was a 12-team streamer. And I think I, um, I, think I agree with that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's one of, the, one of the more ridiculous things I've ever read on the internet, and that's saying a lot. Um, Hunter Green has really high strikeout upside, um, for sure. You know, everyone sees that. It's not, I'm not breaking any news. Um, he's got great stuff. It's really just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy because um, he does throw insanely hard and whether or not Great American affects him overall. Um, I'll have some shares because in a DC especially, I think you want that type of high upside arm. But, you know, I don't want to draft too much of him because, again, Great American can, um, you know, really impact your ratios. And uh, I don't know. He's someone I'll take a shot on. But uh, I'm not sure how in on him I am. Yeah, this is another guy. If I'm taking somebody like Max Freed at their ADP, like this guy is 100% on my radar because um, you need to catch up in strikeouts. And if you look at his last eight starts last year, 46 and a third innings, 66 strikeouts. Um, 
Walks per nine were still a little bit of an issue, but not as big. Uh, 2.9, 12.8 K per nine with a 0.97 whip and 175 ERA. Now, can he do that for a full season? I don't know. We'll see. Um, like we've said already, though, the, the park and the, and the lineup are not good. But the K upside, there's just so much upside here. Um, this is one of those guys that has a very um, large range of outcomes as well. Uh, with the upside being, he could possibly finish as an SB1. Um, now, it's going to take a lot of luck in the wins category, most likely, just being on that team. Um, but obviously, the, the strikeouts are there. It just kind of comes down to how many innings, I guess, um, you think that he can throw. What do you have your, I don't know if you have your projections handy. What do you have him projected for, for innings? I have him projected for, there is Mr. Green in my projections. I have him projected for 150, 27 okay. starts. I have a, I have um, a risk tag on him because he throws so hard. So I only have him projected for 27 starts. 100, 150 innings, 195 strikeouts. Yeah, so if he can go 150 innings, maintain that K rate, and um, just kind of continue to to keep that walk rate, uh, if he can get it below three over a, a full season, three for nine, I think um, we could see a, a ton of success from somebody like Hunter Green. Uh, last guy we'll talk about tonight, uh, Blake Snell, going off the board um, at 113, min of 91, max of 134. Uh, we saw Blake Snell have a massive second half of the season. It seems to be his MO, um, just kind of what he does apparently. So uh, I don't have any Blake Snell just because, I mean, 128 innings last year, 128 two-thirds in 2021, um, only 107 in 2019. It just always kind of be, just seems to be some kind of an issue all the time with him. But uh, I don't think there's any doubting the talent. Uh, 12K per nine last year. Uh, swing strikes elite, uh, great lineup, great bullpen. What are your thoughts on Blake Snow? Yeah, I mean, if you need K upside, I mean, it's similar to Hunter Green. It's funny that they're both going next to each other. These are just big K, uh, K upside arms. Um, and Snell, you know, missed the first half of the season, but well, the first part of the season, um, and just friggin' dominated. When he when he came back, thirty two percent K, is awesome around what he's done the last couple of years, but still, thirty two percent K with a three three eighty RA, uh, obviously very good, and something he did, um, I believe again sorry for not having everything, ready immediately because my uh, it, it must just be my computer I, I doubt Savant and Fangraphs are just um, you know both not working. So I guess it's just my computer, but um, yeah. So uh, Snell basically ditched his changeup. Um, he wasn't throwing it that often, but still 11% in May. And at the end of the season, he cut it down to basically 4%. And that is um, definitely his worst pitch, just in the fact that he can't really command it. But um, very good fastball, insanely good secondaries. Um, he's, you know, kind of just a lot of strikeouts. It's really what, and aside from volumes, this is my issue with pitching, right? And I know this is going to be the last guy we talk about. So I sort of want to go on a little bit of a tangent. I projecting innings pitched for starters is a very difficult thing to do. And you're, it's a losing game. It's something you can't do. 
So while Robbie Ray has gone more innings than Snell the last two or three seasons, that doesn't mean next year he's going to throw more innings than Blake Snell. What if Blake Snell gets a shoulder injury in uh, spring training and misses the first two months of the season and Blake Snell doesn't and throws – if Blake Snell throws 150 innings and, and Robbie Ray throws 140 um, on a per inning basis, they're basically the same pitcher. Um, and, yeah, Snell only goes one round later than Ray, but that's sort of um, – I don't know. That's sort of the way I like to think with pitchers. I weigh per inning more than total. But you have to – obviously, you don't, you don't want a rotation of Spencer Strider, Hunter Green, Blake Snell. Like, obviously, that would be moronic. Like, you want some guys that have proven to stay healthy. But I think you can get caught up a little bit, especially in fab leagues, by drafting just volume guys because volume is never, ever guaranteed. Um, being productive on a per-inning basis, in my opinion, is much more something you can bank on than volume. Um, and that's just one thing I'll say uh, to take away from the years and years I've done of trying to evaluate pitchers and find a process. That's one thing I've noticed. You cannot predict pitchers' innings. You can't. Yeah, I don't fully agree. <laughs> uh, just because of the, the guy that you mentioned. Um, I mean, Blake Snell has – one season at 180 innings every other season is 130 less than 130 so um i don't know can sure can he all of a sudden spike up another 180 inning pitch season of course um i guess there's just different odds to uh him doing that um as opposed to robbie ray doing that no question on a per inning basis blake snell is better than robbie ray there's no question about that um but at the end of the season, at the end of the fantasy season, it's the total strikeouts on the season your team has, not the strikeouts per nine. It's the total wins, the wins per start. Uh, it's the total runs, total RBIs. It's, it's a totals game, essentially, um, outside of the ratios. So um, I, I definitely agree. You know, Robbie Ray could get a shoulder injury in spring training. You're absolutely right. And then all of a sudden he you know doesn't have as many innings. Um that's uh it's just it's just percent chance of things happening i guess um i guess what would you put a percent chance that blake snell throws 180 innings versus percent chance that robbie ray does it's not even i don't think you would say it's even no no i think you sort of um misunderstood what i was saying so like i'm not projecting blake snell to throw 180 innings i'm just saying that i weigh per inning production more than volume because volume is just um very hard to predict. Again, if you just look at, like you said, Blake Snell threw 180 innings, and then the next season he threw 100. Um, that's just very common with pitchers. Um, like uh, it comes and goes, like whenever. Um, Zach Wheeler was a guy that was a 200 inning horse, and last year, um, I think he threw 140. Um, and again, it was an injury that popped up in spring, but still. It's just that it's so hard. J Jacob DeGrom is a perfect example. Jacob DeGrom is a 200-inning monster. And then all of a sudden, he can't stay healthy. It literally just happened at the blink of an eye one season. Um, it's just it's very, very hard to predict pitcher injuries. And, of course, I'm not saying Blake Snell is going to throw more innings than Robbie Ray next year or as, even as many innings. Um, I just think you have to be weary of um, – I, I guess my overall point is you have to be weary of – um, 
valuing volume too much and being like, oh, well, this guy's thrown 160, 170, 180 innings. It just, it doesn't mean he's going to do it again. I guess that's my overall point. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But yeah, no, that's, uh, that should do it for this episode. Um, I don't know how many more starting pitching episodes you think we're going to do. If you think we're going to do maybe one more, I think we can squeeze in enough guys. We're through essentially 35 starting pitchers. So if we can get another 20, 25 out of the next one, maybe that that'll do it. I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll kind of play it by ear. Um, but uh, that should do it for this episode. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for once again tuning into another episode. Ryan and I appreciate the support. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Pile of Dial. Ryan is at Ven underscore Armbarn. In the words of the living legend, 22 Selly, who I just happened to be in a draft with, I'm out here blowing money like a mat. Peace!